the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. To have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Aloha and welcome again to the Believer's Journey. Thank you for joining us today. I want to say I really appreciate all your support. You're uh, watching our program. Um, do, uh, when you're on the YouTube, please uh, subscribe to us, make comments, and any questions you have, you can send them on to me or get them to my email and I will respond to them. Today is going to be a really fun day. It's a really interesting day. I have a, a good friend of mine from Moldova, Machai, is here. And uh, his wife is uh, with us, but not on the program today. And um, anyway, Machai Duka is um, with us. We're going to talk about his life and what he's doing in Moldova and uh, where he came from, from the uh, USS Soviet Union. And so anyway... Welcome. Yeah, thank you so much, Alan, for this invitation. It's a privilege to be here and like to share more who I am, uh, what I'm doing, and how God is working in Moldova, a country far away <laughs> from the yeah. United States. I usually mention Moldova almost every program. <laughs> okay, so the people who are listening to you, usually they know where is Moldova. Most likely, they should know. It's kind of between Romania and Ukraine, and mm -hmm. right there in the middle, and they're uh, on edge, and some people are with their documents ready to leave pretty soon if Russia moves in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we met, oh gee, seven, eight years ago? I don't remember exactly. Something like that. Okay, you and your wife stayed in our home mm -hmm. for a yeah. week or more. Mm -hmm. And um, an interesting thing is every time we're in Moldova, you're always busy in somewhere. <laughs> you're helping some group, whether you're playing guitar, whether you're helping with the microphones or cameras, whether you're uh, teaching. You, you seem to be really busy, and I think that's really cool. Sometimes. Like maybe when just you are seeing us, I'm busy at that time. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about your life. You were born in the Soviet Union when it, when it was the Soviet Union was there. Tell yes. So that's right. Uh, I was born in Moldova when Moldova at that time was part of Soviet Union. Um, so because Moldova was part of Soviet Union. Of course, all the uh, environment ar around us was like communist, socialist, uh, atheistic background. Uh, most of the churches were closed at that time. So uh, actually, I grew up uh, as a kid, as a teenager, um, like, as, like as an atheist. Um, I had no idea about, uh, about God. Uh, who is God, uh, what he's doing, and uh, all those stuff. 
So um, your program is called like the Believer's Journey. So I think that every person is on kind of journey. And someone on this journey is like closer to God. Another one, it's like far away. It's like <laughs> it's trying actually to hide from God. From God. And um, I'd say at that time, I was really far away from God. Um, but uh, my journey as a believer started actually when I was a student. At that time, Moldova was already an independent country. So I have a question. So you mentioned that uh, during the Soviet Union mm -hmm. years, um, you were an atheist. Mm -hmm. However, um, tell us about the Orthodox Church, because I know the Orthodox Church was functioning during this period. Um, just, I think, uh, just some uh, small churches were functioning, but... Uh, I remember exactly that some monasteries, because I'm close to, uh, I'm, my hometown is very close to a famous place in Moldova. Uh, it's an old monastery in the rock, actually. Oh. And many people are going to visit this monastery. So when I was a kid, and at that period, like during Soviet Union, that monastery was closed. And many other Orthodox churches were closed. They were open just after the independence in 1991. So for sure, some churches um, they they function, but um, not um, not all of them. Um, so that's the situation with churches uh, with Orthodox Church at that time. And of course, I don't know much about the. Um, like all the underground evangelical churches uh, in Moldova at that time. But for sure, there are some groups that are trying to, to do churches. Um, but okay. I was not familiar at all with any churches because, as I said, at, at that time I don't care about uh, religion and God and all those okay. stuff. Okay, yeah. go ahead. So, um, like Moldova became an independent country in 1991, and I went to university in 1997. Mm. I uh, studied uh, architecture at Technical University in Moldova. Um, so that's interesting that my first thoughts about is there real, uh, really a God uh, came from my uh, lessons of philosophy. I don't know why, but uh, any students, they need to have a course of philosophy. <laughs> so... Um, I remember exactly till today how uh, just once uh, my professor of philosophy, he, he said one phrase that stuck in my mind for a longer period of time. Um, he was not a believer, actually. Uh, but he said something like that, that it's not possible to prove scientifically that God exists, but also it's not possible scientifically to prove that he does not exist. And the word proof here, it's like a very specific word. Like, we can talk more about the word proof, but uh, maybe later. So, um, like, for the first time in my life, I was thinking, okay, what scientific proof do I have that God does not exist? And I didn't become a Christian at the time, but um, somehow um, I started to think more about uh, maybe there is a God, and I became from... Uh, I would say from an atheist, I became more an ag agnostic. Like, But uh, the next year, 
the place uh, where I was living, like my neighbors were like a uh, few Christian girls. So they were young. I was uh, <laughs> a young student. And um, their intention, of course, being Christians, they wanted to evangelize me. But like from my side, I just wanted to hang out with them. And <laughs> uh, and we talked a lot. So they tried to convince me that there is God and what is written in the Bible, it's true, and all those stuff. Um, I didn't pay much attention um, to that. But just once they invited me to um, to a church. It was actually a Baptist church. Uh, and it was very strange for me. Why? Because I've never been to a Baptist church. I've been before to an Orthodox church in, uh, in Moldova, but never been to something else that is not Orthodox. And I was just thinking, okay, let's go to see what is, what, what's a Baptist church in, uh, <laughs> in our country, in Moldova. And, yeah, it, it was a youth meeting. And at that youth meeting, someone was sharing his testimony, how he became a Christian. And, like, sharing testimony, he's, he said this phrase, if um, someone in this place doesn't believe in God but wants to believe in God, just ask him to discover uh, to you somehow, and he will do that. So he was sharing his testimony. He did the same, and God discovered to him. And I remember that exactly the same night I went at home, uh, I went to bed, and it's very strange, but usually I'm talking to God even today, <laughs> after 20-plus years, when I'm going to bed, like, and uh, it's the most fruitful time for me to meditate and to pray. So uh, I remember that I was trying to say something to someone that I didn't believe at that time. Um, but I think I was uh, a very sincere agnostic or atheist. Just I, I was looking for truth, and I just said to to that God, God, if you are, please discover to me somehow. I don't care the way you will do that. I just want to be sure that uh, you are, you you exist. And uh, usually I'm saying, and guess what? Nothing happened. <laughs> so I haven't seen lights from the heaven or angels or some special dreams and all those stuff. Um, it's interesting that I started to read the Bible and... Um, um, I had many attempts before to, to read the Bible, and all the time I started with uh, Gospel of Matthew, and you know, the first chapter of Gospel of Matthew is just genealogy of Jesus Christ. It's the most boring page <laughs> I, th I thought at that time is. And I stopped on the first chapter every time uh, I tried to read the Bible. Um, but somehow at that time someone gave me a brochure uh, just with Gospel of Luke. Uh, why? Because in Moldova, Campus Crusade, where right now crew, they started to show the Jesus movie, The Life of Jesus, uh, that was filmed over uh, Gospel of Luke. So, and because it was a, a thin brochure, <laughs> not much to read, I did it very easy. Uh, and after I started to, um, like, to read all the Bible, and just... In time, and I don't know why, so it's not possible for me to explain rationally why. So 
I think I'm a rational person, and my faith actually is very connected with my reason. Um, but it's not possible for me to explain rationally why, uh, but on the way, reading the Bible, uh, somehow I was convinced that what is written there is true. So it was an easy decision for me. Uh, okay, if I believe that something is true, it's easy to follow that. It's not a big problem. So that's the way, like, how I became Christian. That's my, like, journey with, um, with God. Okay. So you joined Campus Crusade, what, 2002? Uh, yes, I joined, like, as a full staff, uh, full-time uh, working and you also got married in 2002? Yes, exactly the same year. That's a tough one. It's <laughs> a lot of stuff in one year. Um, I, I think it was easy. It was not uh, really difficult. Yeah. So as I've known you, you're, you're real, a lot into education, you, uh, philosophy. Now you've changed from architecture, and you're really big on philosophy. Did that, what m turned you to that direction? It's very strange that Christianity, uh, so uh, when I believed I was at second year in university, high, so I had three more years to study architecture at that time. Um, but something changed in my, in my mind, in my, in my heart. So um, I don't know, I, I, I loved philosophy, so I was really interested in, uh, in that. Um, but as I said, we had philosophy just in, in our first year. No philosophy anymore <laughs> at the architecture department. Um, but I just started to read by myself um, some philosophical books, um, other stuff, uh, because I wanted uh, like my faith to be like really solid, to have a real, re real solid uh, fundament. Mm. Fundamental. Yeah, fundamental. Um, not just like. I believe because I believe in something. No, I believe because I have like strong, uh, foundation. yes, foundation to believe what I believe. Um, and um, after, I think yeah, it was after 15 years, uh, I um, I did my master program in philosophy at State University in Moldova, and right now I'm almost almost not yet <laughs> finishing my PhD in, uh, in philosophy okay. so that's pretty admirable and I guess it'd be a lot of work to go to school and work as a missionary at the same time yes yes it's it's not easy it's really difficult yeah. you need time like just to read many books to just to do your writings uh, participate at different conferences and all those stuff so yes. Yeah. And I know, I know for the work you guys do in, in, in with crew, mm -hmm. you know, as missionaries, it's it's a really a lot of work, and you have a lot of oh reports every week. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are busy, and I would say you in particular, particularly, have a lot of uh, busyness in your in your life. I think right now we are, uh, I would say, more busy than when we were before last year, like February 24th, when uh, Russians attack massively Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And because we have a lot of refugees right now in our country, and we still have them, um, this is 
a big part of our ministry, what we're doing. And actually, my wife, Tanya, she is every day involved in a day center um, with mom and kids. So, yes, it, it keeps us very busy. So the situation with um, Moldova and Ukraine, with Moldova bringing all these refugees over, there's a lot of things that have happened and have changed that I don't think a lot of our viewers know what's happening. And I know that you have a day center. I know you have, you know, the, where people can stay, and, you know, and so forth. And you you give a lot of things like food and so forth. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about what crew and what you guys are doing, uh, you in particular, your wife in particular, what you are doing in that part of ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, the February 24th, uh, 2022 was, I would say, one of the worst day I've I've remember, um, because I woke up at like 5:36 in the morning, just hearing something uh, far away. It was not loud, but anyway, in my first my first uh, thought was, I hope that's not war, uh, but. And I was trying to look on the media, what what they're saying, and Moldova media at that time in the morning, they're saying nothing about that. I opened Facebook, trying to see what our Ukrainian friends are saying, and almost all of them are just sending messages saying, like saying uh, the war has started. So, uh, like, for half a day, i just watching news, trying to understand what is happening, how that may affect... Moldova, our country, and it was really very deep emotional uh, day, and for sure it was uh, much more difficult for Ukrainians than than for us. Um, And even from the first day, uh, because of this Russian attack, many Ukrainians, of course, are trying to escape um, from the war, and... uh, Moldova has border with uh, Ukraine and the city of Odessa, at a big city in Ukraine, it's uh, very close to Moldovan border. So many people from there tried to to come into Moldova and maybe most of them actually wanted to leave, uh, to go forward to Europe. I know maybe Germany, Poland or some other countries, Hungary, yes. Um, and um, I, I remember how just on on Thursday, uh, we had few people in our office, and we weren't prepared for for that, like to help uh, all those people. So we brought from the home everything we had: some blankets, pillows, uh, some mattresses, and uh, just s- trying to help somehow all those people that are coming. And of course, with every day. We had more, more, and more, and more people that are coming, and not just Campus Crusade, but I would say all the churches in Moldova are trying to do everything they they can to help um, uh, all those people. Because, and the most sad part is um, uh, mostly moms with kids were those who are crossing the border. Uh, because men are not allowed to leave uh, the country. And it's like, it was really so sad to see kids with mom just... Uh, and it was cold. It's February 25, 26 already. And it's still cold in Moldova. And we just 
try to help them to host them for one, two, maybe three days, because uh, most of them just intended to go forward. To, oh, of course, some of them are staying and are staying in Moldova till now. And our office became, uh, how to say, <laughs> a place where we hosted the uh, Ukrainians. And like first weeks, we were in the office like 24 hours around. And uh, we're waiting for calls like 24 hours, not just like from eight to seven, no, mm. 24 hours. And um, we, all the crew missionaries, we just switch like staying for three, four hours and others are staying. Um, so that's the way how we worked on the first weeks. But of course, it's impossible to, to do that in this read for a long run. And um, yeah, uh, very soon we had some other people that started to help and we were able to provide more stuff. Uh, like actually we bought beds for um, Ukrainians to be able to sleep. We had another place right now, a bigger place uh, that someone gave us for free, actually. Um, and about 60 refugees are staying till today in that place, uh, but they're staying for a longer period of time, not just for one or two days. Um, and as I mentioned, like we have a day center for kids and mom. Uh, they come for half a day. It's a safe place for for them. Um, so, yeah, all those stuff are keeping us very busy. But at the same time, right now, after almost one year of uh, of the war, um, we're trying to do as well, like the normal work we did before the the war. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, what is your normal work, and what is Tanya's normal work? What do you What do you do as a couple crew? Um, yeah, so for about three years, I'm part of um, like a very specific department in Campus Crusade Moldova. It's called Digital Strategies. Uh, so what we're trying to do with all these digital strategies, we're trying to share the gospel to make disciples uh, through Internet. Um, and like we have a saying in, in our team that behind every screen is a person. So it's not just a screen that uh, we can see. Uh, it's a real person that has a personal story, that has a personal journey with, with the Lord. And we're, we're trying to help them to make at least one step forward uh, to, know, to know God. And we have also a YouTube program. It's uh, called actual Journey Together. <laughs> so see, <laughs> we have something similar. We're doing some podcasts uh, on Christian topics. Um, and actually, when I was in uh, Moldova for the three weeks, I, in the 2021 November, mm -hmm. it was your your department that we were able to broadcast our program twice. Yes, yeah. yeah. So um, that's one way what we're trying to do. Uh, also, we're trying to maintain a website uh, with different articles, um, with different materials for... Uh, evangelism for discipleship um, and uh, like the most interesting thing is that um, uh, when like when we're looking on the statistics um, the most popular article on our website is who is Jesus so somehow many people are looking specifically for this uh, 
for this uh, question like and yeah i think it's very it's very important work because many of those people we will not see them in our life uh, personal like face to face but it's just one step one opportunity for them to know more about god and maybe to take one more step uh, closer to him it's interesting um since i we've been doing this program the believer's journey um i noticed there's about maybe four or five hundred people in Moldova that watch my program mm-hmm. uh, regularly. Um, and before the war, there was actually, you had a couple thousand in Russia and about a thousand or more in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Of course, now that's kind of non-existent. But I always wondered about that. And so I, what you guys do is amazing because... What, what I was told one time is that how this is going in different countries or different areas where people don't have the opportunity to go to a church, but they have a computer or they have mm-hmm. a phone, they have a way to connect, and we become that voice of Jesus. So what you do is really important because it really is the voice of the gospel, the voice of Jesus to people who are unable to go to a church, who are stuck somewhere, who don't have a church to go to or don't know where to go. Yes, and I would say we are living in a very, um, in a very special time, and we can call it a digital era, and um, like many, many, most of the people they have access to the internet. They spend a lot of time in this digital uh, area, and um, like we as a Christian, I think we should be there, and I know that many churches uh, other organization they they have something uh, to offer through through internet because like uh, if we will not offer them the gospel on the internet someone else will offer them something, so, something else yeah. so that's uh, that's the reality um, and like the funny thing it was not funny but anyway um, we started this digital ministry exactly in the same year when the pandemic came, so oh, wow. <laughs> it was exactly on the on the right time because um, everything was closed, and of course we as a ministry we just tried to do something and uh, I remember um, we we did a special um, outreach on the internet it was called the amazing question um, so all the staff were involved in this uh, amazing question. It was before Easter, and uh, like we had many good conversations uh, through Messenger w- with people. Uh, it was exactly on the right time. I would say right now people are not, how to say, they are tired of uh, all those, uh, like having classes on the, on the internet, uh, on Zoom, and they want more like face-to-face communication, and that's that's good. Actually, it's really important because I think the way that we actually grow as believers is with that personal interaction. That's how you mm-hmm. pray for one another, lift each other up, do things to help us do all that. Now, I was reading now on your website. I was reading that um, it says you're part of a leadership development. My wife Tanya, she is part of uh, like the, this department in Crew Moldova. It's called LDHR, Leadership Development and Human Resources. So, uh, like 
her direct uh, job description is to help the new staff uh, in uh, in Crew Moldova, like to train them to be more successful in the ministry they're doing. So this is her responsibility. But as I said, right now she's like more involved, almost every day uh, involved with um, this um, the arc. We call it the arc center uh, mm-hmm. for the moms and kids. Uh. Well, Tanya. Tanya has got my heart. She's amazing. She's, you know, I really like people who stand up for what is right and vocalize. Mm-hmm. And for things that are wrong, stand against. And your wife is one of those people. Yeah. You know, I've seen her go on Facebook and say, no, this, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Jesus, this, this, and that. And I'm seeing, like, wow, she's really powerful when she does that. And there's a few people... Uh, Radu's wife, Luda, is like mm-hmm. the same thing. I mean, you just stand up and you stand up for what is right, what is Jesus, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And I think you've got a pretty cool wife. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> so um, for all of you watching the program, on my website, you can go to the guests and you can see Makai there and, it's, and your wife. Actually, your, I put a picture there is in your national... N- national costume. Costume. I don't call them costumes, but yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> Dress. <laughs> and and toward the bottom, you'll see a little picture of Moldova. You click on that, and it takes you right to their website, and you can read about them. Uh, you could, uh, if you want to give to their uh, ministry, there's a little place you can give a gift. It goes right to Campus Crusade, so it it's, goes right there. And if you want to get on their website, I mean, on their Facebook, you click on the little Facebook icon there, and it'll take you right to their Facebook, and, and you can see, um, listen, and watch, or participate in their Facebook uh, stuff. So, um, anyway, you guys are great. I, I like <laughs> you guys. Thank you. Unfortunately, when we go to Moldova, I don't have a lot of time to... To socialize with you, like you have more time here than I do there. It's like they keep yeah, me, you you are busy when you are coming keep, to Moldova. <laughs> they keep me busy day and night. I usually after two or three weeks, I usually get sick. <laughs> I'm coming down with a cold because my resistance is so low because I get so tired. So next time when you'll come to Moldova, you need to come at least for one week just to do nothing or just to visit some interesting places, uh, just to have rest. Uh, I tried that once. Uh, the first time that my wife was going to come, wanted to come out, we went out, and so I was called. Uh, Radu had told me that I was going to meet with a whole group of teachers. There's about 80 of them, mm-hmm. and so I was going to give a talk to all these teachers about teaching. And it was the National Teachers Day. Well, I didn't know this, but he was telling me all that. So I'm there, and they're introducing me. The girl is in charge of Crossroads. Her name is Natasha. Mm -hmm. And she introduces me in Romanian. Of course, I don't know what she's saying. And Radu and Vitaly, his brother, are both sitting there laughing. (laughs) I'm like, what's so funny? Well, you don't know, but she just told them you were the teacher of the year in in America. Oh. Well, that's not true. (laughs) And now I have some accolades, and and I told her, this is what it is. Well, to them, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. So it was really interesting that uh, we were going to take that whole week off and go all over Moldova and visit. Well, she also told them after my speech, uh, she said, 
Alan is available all week long if you want them to come, oh. to, come to speak to your classes. <laughs> okay. So I had 10 appointments through the week. So our vacation was totally gone. And now we're, we went ministered to all the schools that got set I'm sure you were happy. Oh, yeah. It was great. Sure. You know, and, and I wouldn't change it either. It's just it's so funny. So taking a week off and saying, oh, this is my week <laughs> off, it never happens. It, it won't happen. Yeah. When people find out I'm there, it's like, Okay, now I'm called to this church to teach or questions or preach or something. And mm-hmm. it gets, so it's, it's what I do. I love yeah. Moldova and I love working there. It's great. So anyway, we're going to talk about faith for the next half hour. Yeah, let's try. <laughs> <laughs> faith is, is one of these things that uh, I believe is so misunderstood in Today's world. I don't. I don't know what it was like three, four, five hundred years ago or six hundred years ago. But in today, it's something. And in faith, also, is really similar in the belief or the or the understanding of what the word believe is. So when you say faith, pistis in mm-hmm. in Greek, pistuo, is the word for what we call believe in Greek, and they have similar meanings, okay? At least the root is the same. The root is the same, and they're very, very close. But, um, so I'm going to start off, and then we'll go on with this, but I'm going to start off with a problem that we, at least I see that a lot of people are are understanding, is that they look at the word faith as a noun. Mm -hmm. And I think if you go to our modern-day dictionaries, you may find it as a noun. But in doing a lot of research uh, from the last couple thousand years, um, in in about several hundred years after, I mean, for, obviously several hundred years ago from today, earlier, the word fe, uh, which was taken from the Latin, what happened was they added a th sound, or th suffix, onto mm-hmm. the word, which created a verb, a verb of action. So today when we see the word faith, it's something that we see created. Let's say if you have a King James Version Bible, okay, in English. And I don't know if, if your Bibles kind of correlate with the King James or not, or other versions. But when you put in that word, the, the letters TH, you created a verb and a verb of action. So no longer can you say that, well, the word faith is, is a noun, because really, it's not. It, it's a verb. It's a verb of, verb of action, just like the word believe. Now, we use the word believes, like in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world, that whoever believes in him shall not have, uh, perish, but have everlasting life. The word believes, again, you have to go back to the King James Version, and it uses the word believeth. Mm-hmm. And what do they do? They add that T-H on the end, which was a do, it gives it an action uh, sound meaning in the English at least. Now, I don't know about Romanian or Russian. You know, you know another language too other than that. Do you know Ukrainian? Yes. I. Okay. Um, so speaking about languages, um, actually you have in, uh, in English like the word faith and belief. In Romanian it's just one word for both these words. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's actually... More confusing <laughs> than well, well, actually, what you have. Actually, when I was looking up verses, because I, I have a way of looking up all these different uh, translations. And there's a lot of 
King James took this word and they created, they, they, made, they interpreted it as believeth, okay? Mm-hmm. Where you look at a lot of other translations, it'll say faith or believes or, you know, but so they, it interacts. And together, the, the two words, faith and believe in, in English, together is written about 300 times in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. So, so, like, in, in Romanian language, uh, the word faith and believe, I say, as I said, it's just one word. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, this word could be a noun or a verb. It depends on the context uh, in how you are using uh, this word. And um, actually, in Russian, it's the same. Um, they have just one word for believe in faith. And it also could be a verb or could be a, a noun. Um, so because the word, this concept of faith, believing, believe, it's, it's, so, um, it's so complex. So I'm trying to, to use the word complex. It's not difficult, but it's, it's a very complex. It, it has a lot of meaning uh, in it. Usually I'm trying to explain the word faith uh, using not one word, but three different words uh, or three different concepts so the first concept that that i'm using explaining faith it's knowledge actually mm-hmm. why knowledge is so important and why knowledge is part of faith because uh, in order to believe something in order to have faith in something uh, you need at least to have the elementary information like uh, just a piece of information if because if you don't know anything about your object of faith it's not possible to have faith in uh, in that so this is just like first step and first concept how we can uh, explain but it's not enough so only knowledge it's not faith but it's we need to have knowledge uh, in uh, in order to have faith so the second concept uh, that i'm using to explain the word faith it's uh, actually will willing so we need to have an attitude towards this knowledge that we have and let's uh, like have an example Uh, i have a knowledge uh, about uh, like let's say about a god uh, his name is Yahweh, and but it's not enough having just knowledge about a God with the name Yahweh. I need to have some attitude uh, about this knowledge. I am agree with all this knowledge. Is this knowledge true or not? So I need to take an attitude. So that's the second uh, concept that I'm trying to use to explain the word faith. And the last one, and I think it's very important, it's the, um, it's, it's a verb actually. Like we need to act in some way. We need to do uh, something. Because it's not enough to know. It's not enough to be agree. You need to do. And usually I have an example that uh, like will help to understand more all these three concepts. It's like, let's say... I know exactly that the train, I know, do you have train here in San Antonio? Yes. <laughs> Let's say a train, I, I have the knowledge about the train that is going from San Antonio to Chicago, let's say. Okay. Uh, and 
I know exactly um, uh, when this train is going, the way how train is uh, is going to to Chicago. Um, okay, so that's cool. But also, like, I need to have an attitude towards this uh, information, this knowledge. Like, I want to be agree that yeah, this is the right information. It's not the wrong information about how train is going to to Chicago from San Antonio. But you know. If I want to go to Chicago by train, it's not enough just to have knowledge and <laughs> to be agreed that this uh, information is true. What do I need to do? I need just to go uh, to sit in the train, like to buy a ticket, to sit in the train and just to go to Chicago. So that's um, the actual what I call faith. I know something, I am agree with that, and I'm acting in some way, I'm doing something. So because of this... I think um, faith as a verb is a very important understanding of uh, this concept. Yeah, and, and I have a, um, I have an illustration that I show people all the time. It's like I was taught when I was a teenager, and I went to go to Sunday school class when I was like 15 years old. I started to go, and um, the teacher at the time would teach what faith is, and he would look at a chair that was empty, and he would say. Okay, you all see that chair over there, okay, and it's got four legs and so forth. Faith is believing, mm -hmm. you know, trusting that if I were to sit in that chair, it would hold me up. That's what faith is. Yeah. Well, that's all my understanding. Well, now I totally disagree with that. That's not even true. Faith is seeing the chair, understanding it will hold me up, but it's also walking over and sitting in the chair. Yes. That's faith. Yes. And biblical faith. In the Old Testament, it, we use the word, or the Bible uses the word more, the word trust, which is, has the same equivalency as faith. We're trusting, we're giving of ourselves. Uh, I heard a long time ago, somebody used the term who, uh, it, in English, it's, it's probably not a real word, but they say, what really it should be is faithing. I am faithing, because mm -hmm. you're acting, you're living, you're, you're doing uh, what it says. It's interesting what the TH does. I want to go back to that real quick mm -hmm. because I think it's really significant. When we have words like strong, okay, or we have deep, if we change it with a TH, we have strength. What that does, it, it gives it an action and a description. Mm -hmm. Deep, depth, strong, strength. Now we're, now we're giving it an action and a description where before it was just a plain noun. Mm -hmm. Okay, And I think that we need to see that when we look at faith. We have an action. Um, Jesus says, said in uh, John 8, chapter 30, um, many put their, I mean, Jesus didn't say this, but it says, as he spoke, many put their faith in him. That word faith is not a noun. They put their, oh, I believe that he's real in him. They, mm -hmm. they put their faith as they, they're faithing. They put their action in him. Yes, but at the same time, like that's that's really important. But it's also important, like as I said at the beginning, to have knowledge and this knowledge to be true, like the object of your faith. Uh, because if your object of the faith is something that it's not true, it's not correspond to the reality, you may have faith. Actually, you can take some steps. Uh, to do something but it will be like a crazy action or something that it's stupid and like we can see 
many people that, let's say, I was born in the USSR and um, like the communist, socialist ideas, they were really big there. And like I saw even, I remember from the school, uh, um, this, it, it's, a, it's, not, it's a joke, it's actually a real story. Uh, I, I think I was at my in, in, in elementary school and I was saying somehow that Lenin, do you know who is Lenin? Lenin. Lenin. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I I said uh, Lenin is dead, and uh, one of my fellow from the class said, "How you can say that he is not dead? He is alive." <laughs> and because uh, like he grew up with all these ideas that he is so big and he is so important for uh, our country that he he is not dead. So see, sometimes we can have faith. Uh, in something that is really weird, it's really untrue. It's uh, and we can act accordingly to that ideas. And let's say, for example, the war that is happening right now in uh, in Ukraine. For sure, there are many people and many soldiers in Russian army that believed what their propaganda, their government are saying about Ukraine. So they are going into Ukraine to fight, to kill many people, because they strongly believe that what they're doing is true. Uh, so see, they are acting, but their acts are just foolish. Uh, uh, That's a perfect way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's interesting uh, because there's a chapter in the, in the Bible, it's chapter 11, we call the faith chapter. Yeah, you have Hebrew. Hebrew 11. And it's interesting that um, when when I've heard people say what is faith or ask them, they'll quote the first verse. And the first verse says, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So when we're talking about this, and they stop there, this is what faith is, but they don't even know that the rest of the chapter deals with what faith really oh, yes. is. And, and it actually goes through. And, I mean, it says, verse 4, By faith Abel offered God a more excellent sacrifice. Verse 5, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he didn't see death. Verse 7, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared the ark. Verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to the place where he would receive an inheritance. And then back to verse 6, it was without faith, it is impossible to please God. Mm -hmm. When we look at these things, we're looking at, at a matter of obedience. By faith, they did this. Yes. Why? Because God called them to do something, and they followed it. And so faith has, it, it doesn't mean obedience, but it has a, a, a indirect connection with obedience. Yes, definitely. Uh, I think... Everything happened. Why they have disobedience? Because they knew, like we, we can start again with knowledge. They knew something about that God, Yahweh. They knew that this is the true God, that this God is a faithful God, and all those stuff. So because knowing God, knowing maybe the nature of God, um, we are not able to read much in the Bible, like, like before uh, Abraham, for example, did all those stuff. How was his relationship with God? But anyway, we may assume that 
for sure he had some knowledge uh, of uh, of God, and because of that he knew his not object the subject of faith, and he was like totally trusting this um, uh, this God, and because of that he acted in the way uh, he acted. Yeah. And I think, uh, anyway, with Abraham, what's really interesting, because they all say uh, how he's the man of faith, but how often did he lie to Pharaoh, and you know, to save his skin or do things, you know, and so forth. He had a knowledge and he had an attitude, mm-hmm. but there was that action that was missing. And finally, you know, the angels and the Lord came down and said, hey, when are you going to get it together? You know, because um, in between that, Sarah says, here, take my, my maiden and, and mm-hmm. have your child. But the action that they were at, looking for was one of holiness that was really obedient and following God and what he was trying to tell him to live by. Yeah, so see, I, I can see here something very interesting. And I think C.S. Lewis put it like in mere Christianity. I read like many years ago, I think just when I became a Christian. So he put this in a very interesting way when he's talking about uh, faith. Uh, he's saying that, uh, and he's connected with beliefs that we have. Even we have strong beliefs in God, who is God, uh, how he was um, trustworthy before. We we experienced uh, experience him in our life. Uh, but um, even we know that something is true. We are not acting every time according to our beliefs. So that's the reality of our human being, of our human nature. Mm -hmm. And he is saying about, like, emotions, about uh, different problems, suffering, that sometimes they just take over on our reason, on our faith. And even we believe that this is the true God. Uh, Because of these sufferings, um, we are, and because of emotions, we may act, and we are doing that, uh, not according to our beliefs. So what C.S. Lewis is suggesting, he's saying, we need to go back to our beliefs all day, all the days, and just we need to remind to ourselves who is our God, what we believe. And I would say one of the very important questions, not just for believers, but even for atheists, for, for unbelievers, it's, why do I believe this stuff? Because uh, yeah. I saw in my life so many, let's say, even Christians that never thought about their faith like seriously. They never thought about, oh, why do I believe those stuff? Uh, because somehow they, I inherited them from my mom's or from my uh, grandma. Uh, and I'm believing just automatically in something. And they never had this idea why. Uh, but it's a very important question because if you will be sincere with yourself, if uh, you will question yourself, uh, why do I believe that? And if you will be able to answer all those questions for yourself, your faith will be much more stronger yeah. than it was uh, before. I, I think, I believe that, the Bible is written, within the Bible is written a lot of themes, and the Mm -hmm. themes follow through from cover to cover. Um, And if if a theme is broken somewhere and 
changed or is different, then somewhere we've misinterpreted that theme. Mm-hmm. So going with that, um, I've heard a lot of people, not only recently, but even more recently, they want to they want to talk about how we're saved by grace or saved in faith, but there's nothing we have to do. Oh well, you know, God did everything; we don't have to do anything. Well, totally not true, it's because if we look at what Jesus said, you know, He says you you need to take up your cross and follow Me. You need to deny yourself and follow Me. You, if you love Me, you'll obey My commandments. I mean, there's a lot of action here about you know following Him and doing what he wants, you know, uh, obeying him. In Ephesians 2.8, where it says, For by grace you are saved by faith. Again, this word faith is that action word that says we need to act upon within obedience for what grace is giving us. And when we talk about, you know, John 3.16, For uh, God so loved the world that whoever believes, believeth in him. I'm going to use the, the old mm-hmm. English word. <laughs> believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We're talking about someone who is acting upon what they know. They're they're living it. They're they're fading, if you they're will. They're ending only. They took the train actually, not just uh, exactly. watching how train is uh, is yeah. going. Yeah. And, and too many people think that if I understand it is true, or, or think that he's true, or think that it's real, I'm okay. I've got my ticket, and mm-hmm. that's false. And it's false teaching. Yeah. Uh, so I agree that. Uh, like our faith is also like the most important part for our discipleship uh because like in the way how we accepted Christ in the same way with faith we need to live our life with Christ so if we accepted him by grace by faith we need to live every day like the day the way of discipleship also by grace and faith so yeah. faith is necessary for all our life, not just for one small part of it. Yeah, yeah, totally true. And and even the verse that's being, I don't know if you get this in Moldova, but I see this all over the United States where churches, pastors and churches at the end of their sermon are, are teaching, you can get saved by, you know, look at this verse in Romans, you know, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is, Lord, then, you know, we are saved. But even the term confess is something that we have in conviction of our guts that what we confess is something we actually truly stand strong on. And we believe we're acting, we're living, we're following with all of our being that Jesus is. Because the word heart literally means your whole mm-hmm. being. We we act upon it in our whole being that Jesus is Lord, it's a, it takes a whole new concept of then if we confess with our mouth, if we say it verbally, then we're good. And that's not what it means in the actual language. Yeah. Actually, I can say verbally anything and my thoughts can be as, about something else. <laughs> it's it usually happened with us human beings. Oh, like, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> I, my, we were talking about praying. You said your, your time of praying is when you, you're at nighttime and you lay down. Mine's in the car, but half the time I have music going. So I'll start praying. All of a sudden, the next thing you know, I'm rocking to the music or singing to the music. It's like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I was praying and it gets me off track. So yeah, stuff comes out and, and we are not concentrated. Yeah. So. Well, 
Think we've conquered it? I think we could talk for more hours, like oh, hours okay. and hours about faith. It's a so deep uh, topic and we can cover like different aspects of uh, faith. We can cover some anim like we can talk about enemies uh, of faith like skepticism. Today I think we are living in a very interesting world like skepticism is a very um, popular it's a very powerful now and many people are not able to believe because of the skepticism. Uh, I also think people, and this has probably been growing and growing through the years, people are at where they don't want anybody to tell them what to do. They don't want somebody to be accountable to. They just want to do their own thing. And, you know, if God is love and God is good with me, then I'm good with God. But if God is not good with me, I don't have to be good with God. Mm -hmm. I'll do my own thing and have God becomes you, your own self. So yeah, personal experience is also in some in some way personal experience with God. It, it may help you to be closer to God, but also personal experience. If we are applying, uh, appealing just to our personal experience and to say this is true because it's my experience, it also you may have some <laughs> problems because yeah. you can get some things really wrong. Uh, but because it's your experience, uh, like you think it's really important. And like many, many stuff we can cover. Yeah. And I I think those of you who are watching this program, uh, what I've talked about, you know, faith and the the addition of the TH onto the word, you know, go back into etymology and some of the how languages have been put together, especially in the English language and how we have formulated. Like when you look at the word, you know, faithfully, you know, there we are. That's an adjective or adverb, I mean. We're talking about things that, that have changed the language, mm-hmm. and we need to be aware of that. So when we look at Scripture today, what are we looking at? Are we looking at a modernized you know, way of thinking, or are we, looking at, are we going to actually look at what it's written? So when we look at what it's actually written from, and then we take on what was actually taught from the beginning, we're able to dis- discard some of the modern things that they've added to and taken away from the very meanings of what the scripture has. Yeah, we we didn't touch that, but uh, I think for in the modern world um, the word faith usually uh, it's saying with something that is irrational, uh, something that like it's not worthy. Um, but like for me, uh, the person who is trained and I'm still training myself in philosophy, like. I can see how the word faith can be really rational, uh, and uh, it's um, like it's very important for us Christians to understand this concept of faith to have these rational seeds in, in it. It's not yeah. everything rational, but anyway. Um, well, I know, like with you, um, for me, I think I have this a little bit like you. I'm extremely logical, mm-hmm. and so when I look at things. I look at things in a logical way. I have to make sense out of, you know, two and two is four. It all puts together logically, and and I have to, that's the way my mind thinks. So uh, that's unfortunate (laughs) because I think it sometimes gets harder for me. But once I've got it, I've got it, which is really cool. And maybe a lot of people don't look at it that way, and they're blessed because they can believe or follow easier than I can. I had to Mm -hmm. really put things together in my own mind, so. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Good talk. That was a good discussion. So I think you need to invite me for the next program to continue this <laughs> topic of faith. <laughs> we are leaving pretty soon, actually. I ha- because I have the um, impression that we just started our conversation and yeah. like we need to stop. So that's not yeah. fair. <laughs> well, uh, in a couple of weeks, I guess Anatolia will be here mm-hmm. uh, from Moldova. So we'll have another guest in two weeks. So that'll be kind of cool. Um, he won't be the same to talk about faith as you are. Great. So, <laughs> but anyway, thank you for joining us today. Um, you, uh, if you've seen on my uh, the banner going across my uh, program today, you'll see the uh, website. You can go to see Makai and, and Tanya's uh, website and look at look them up. Um, if you have any questions for them, your emails are also there, I believe. If I was right on that website, yeah, for sure. And. Um, but thank you for joining us. Thank you for participating. Please write comments and ask questions. Uh, I'm always going to be able to answer your questions. And I, I really do appreciate everyone's support. And if you like this, you know, click on subscribe. It'd be easier to get to us anyway. Anyway, have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful week. Aloha. Alan Cutting and the Believer's Journey radio program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.